Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim and I am your host. This season, Steve is exploring the mystery of Christ. In this first episode of the series, we will look at how this mystery moves us away from just the facts of our faith and into a deeper encounter with a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are so amazing. And um, the more we consider you, the more we are in wonder of you. And I ask for you to come tonight. I ask for an anointing that I'd be able to share what's in my heart, but beyond that, that, that you would speak to all of our hearts. Uh, Lord, we don't need more information. We just need to go deeper into you. So we commit tonight to you and, and thank you ahead of time for your presence and your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to start with the scripture, Ephesians 3, 8 and 9. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this is Paul writing, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I have loved that phrase for several years now. Uh, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, uh, who created all things. <coughs> Not only the word, but the concept of mystery absolutely pervades the New Testament. Uh, the early church uh, embraced from the beginning uh, this incredible mystery of Christ. Uh, 28 times in the New Testament, um, it talks about mystery. Paul, 21 times. Um, the church, uh, in the more liturgical uh, vein, the Catholics, the Anglicans, the Orthodox, have never left the mystery of the gospel. Um, especially the Eastern church is, is so aware of, and it's part of their, of their weekly service. But in our day, uh, it's interesting, I've been reading lately, there's a great resurgence, um, especially among young people, in uh, an interest, a hunger um, for the mystery of the faith. Um, repeatedly, Paul says, we're going to see a few of those scriptures tonight, but we'll go through this over the coming weeks. Paul says again and again, this mystery has been hidden through the ages, but now it has been revealed in Christ. Paul asked the church to pray for him that he might declare with boldness the mystery of the gospel. <coughs> Excuse me. And yet the reality is that among much of the Western church, uh, we've lost our sense of mystery. Um, instead of mystery, we have, we have presented um, principles and propositional truth. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine about this for uh, an hour or two this morning. We have, we have kind of come to a place where we think that if we have enough study, if we figure out enough systematic theology, uh, we can figure God out. And um, in doing this, in having this approach, which is absolutely the predominant approach of the Western church right now, 
and has been for a while. Uh, but in doing this, we've lost mystery. We've lost um, the longing for and the awareness of mystery, and especially, of course, the mystery of Christ. But I think, frankly, that more than ignoring mystery, the, the Western church, and I would say especially the Western evangelical church, but the Western church has not just ignored the mystery of the gospel, I think we avoid it. And we'll look at that in some different ways in the coming weeks. But, but let me just say this, and I touched on this when we did the John podcast, the, the rationalism of the Enlightenment, the 18th century and into the early 19th century, the Enlightenment uh, has largely infiltrated our modern churches. We have thought we've, we've got this figured out, we can do things through rationalism, and it has really infiltrated our church. Uh, and the result is a gospel that I believe is very tame, a very predictable, and essentially small. Um, you see, mystery can never be totally understood. And, and yet we so often in the Western church, we seek understanding as our highest value. I've got my systematic theology books up in my, uh, uh, up in my bookcase, in my library. Um, we present uh, foundations courses that are variations of, of systematic theology, uh, biblical theology, which all are good, but they're based on this idea of propositional truth, of principles, and, and in many cases, and I come from this tradition 40 years ago, it's like God is locked into the Bible. It's like the Bible's in charge and God's got to do what his word says. There is, so if you do this, God's got to do that. And, uh, and that's still in place more than I'd like to see. What we need to realize, I've, I've quoted many times, St. Augustine said, if you understand God, then he isn't God. Another church father, um, from just about the same time, just half a century before him, Gregory of Nyssa said this, God's name is not known, it is wondered at. Isn't that a wonderful quote? God's name is not known, it is wondered at. I'm convinced that a small and safe and thereby limited um, gospel that, that gives us, we embrace a Jesus who's small and it gives us a small gospel and we wonder why, why the world around us isn't interested in what we have to say. And if we are realistic, they're not very interested. And uh, I think it's because the gospel's too small, it's too tame, the, the thrill, the wonder, the astonishment of the gospel is really not presented very much. Instead, we tend to present principles and propositional truth. God called the mystery, or Paul called this mystery of Christ, as I gave you the opening quote, the unsearchable riches. Um, so my question is, have we embraced a limitless, never to be fully understood gospel that is full of both wonder and uncertainty? Wonder, and where there's uncertainty, there is intrinsically risk. 
A gospel without mystery and wonder leads us to a Jesus who's kind of controllable. He is my personal savior who came so that I could go to heaven instead of the one who holds all the cosmos together, who created all things, who is in all things. This is a Jesus who is to be wondered at as opposed to, do you know Jesus as your personal savior? The gospel is so much bigger and it's bigger because it embraces mystery. And we're gonna hopefully go on a journey that's gonna take us deeper and deeper into that in the coming weeks. Now, if, if you have listened to me, you know that I encourage uh, everyone to consistently be reading the Gospels. I always say for years, I said, you know, I learned from Moses and Isaiah and James, but I'm a follower of Jesus. So my personal reading, I read through the Bible once a year, but I read the Gospels every day. Today it was Matthew 15. But here's the other side to that. Um, there's a danger of understanding too little of who Jesus Christ, who is after all the second person of the Trinity, of understanding who he is. That as we, we immerse ourselves in the Gospels, which of course I unabashedly, unreservedly say we must do, but we almost treat Jesus as if Christ was his second name. That, that uh, he is the, the healer, and he is lots of different things, but we can easily lose touch that he's the one who holds everything together. And I think this comes from only seeing Jesus as most of us do, only seeing Jesus in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. In the first thousand years, the church understood that Christ is in all of the scripture. We encounter him, uh, Christ interacting with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and beyond and beyond. So the, the Christ narrative does not begin with an angelic visitation to a, a young maiden that Luke writes about named Mary. The mystery takes us further back, further back even than Abraham, further than creation. The mystery takes us back before time, and I can hardly get my head around that. And so I'm hoping the Lord will help us in these next few weeks to greatly increase our understanding of, of this mystery of Christ. So having begun with that, we better get our terms agreed to. What do we mean by mystery? In the New Testament, mystery doesn't mean a baffling puzzle, okay? It's, it's not a Sherlock Holmes short story. Mis we think of mystery as that. It's a mystery. Oh, it's a mystery where I put my keys. It's a mystery. That is not what the word meant uh, in the New Testament. Mystery is something, a divine secret that is revealed by God, it's his initiative, in his perfect time for our understanding 
but we can never fully understand it because it leads to the depths of God. Do you want me to say that again? Please. Okay. Mystery is something, a, a divine secret, that is revealed by God in his perfect timing. It's for our understanding, but which we can never fully understand because it leads to the depths of God. I think that's why Paul said unsearchable riches in Ephesians 3. Mysteries are revealed truths that surpass the powers of material reason. So you can see right away there's this dichotomy between our church experience, which for the last 250 years has been by and large steeped in the enlightenment, rationalism. And now we come to what a mystery is that surpasses the power of natural reason. No wonder we either ignore or sometimes avoid and pull away from mystery. Mystery, of course, is filled with paradox. Um, one of the big journeys for me in the last, I don't know, several years is embracing paradox. You know, we're largely, let me just break from this, but we are largely, we live in a dualistic world and uh, it has affected everything from our politics to our, our religion. And dualism says there's two ways. There's right and there's wrong. There's yes and there is no. There's them and there's us. There's in and there's out. And in dualism, by a mile, has been the predominant paradigm for us in our time. But mystery will not be dualistic. Mystery embraces opposites and paradox. Um, seemingly contrary truths that are held in tension. And I think that's part of the discomfort of paradox that keeps us from pursuing mystery, the mystery of Christ. I really do. Because, because of this, this tension, truth in tension. It's way easier to be dualistic. It's way easier to say, well, this position's right, that one's wrong. These people are in, these people are out. The two great truths as we talk about mystery, I'm trying to just give an overall view tonight, the two great truths about God revolve around the paradox of his otherness and his nearness. Um, his otherness, by that I mean he's invisible. He's transcendent, meaning he's everywhere. He's beyond us. He's beyond understanding. To claim to understand him through reasoning, through principles, you know what it is? It's idolatry. We get our principles lined up. Take your pick on your theology you want. But we get our principles lined up. God is like this. You can count on it. Dualism, right? What we end up doing is we fashion an idol 
made in our own image. If anybody cares, it's called anthropomorphism. That's a big word. But that's what happens. We create a God we're comfortable with. Others, transcendent, beyond understanding, invisible. But the other half of the paradox is nearness. Because at the very same time, not he goes from one to the other. He's not a ping pong ball going back and forth. At the very same time, he, he is the infinite, transcendent God of mystery. He is also filling all things right now. He is present everywhere around us and within us. He is, he is infinitely close to us and infinitely far away. The God who is infinitely beyond our understanding reveals himself in his nearness as a person. He is the second person, Jesus, of, of the Godhead. He calls us by name, doesn't he? He calls us by name. And we respond to him. This is incredible intimacy and nearness. We're invited into a relationship of love with the transcendent God who is everywhere in all of the cosmos. God is both further away and nearer than anything else at the same time. In his otherness and nearness, when we get to the end of our journey, when I get to the end of my journey, in his otherness, he will be there to welcome me. But in his nearness, he is a companion, closer than a brother, the scriptures say. He is a companion along the way on that journey. I'm just throwing lots of stuff for us to think about tonight. We'll, we'll get into some. Pursuing the mystery of Christ will lead us into the mystery of the triune God. Because as I have insisted before, God is not like the Trinity. He is Trinity. Christ is God the Son, unique but inseparable from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And we'll look more at this in, in a few weeks in another session. Without mystery, when we go with principles, when we try to understand and contain and categorize, without mystery, there's no astonishment. There's no awe. There's no wonder. Frankly, I think that's a big problem in the church. We have so little wonder. As I, as I pray the Lord's Prayer, which I do very often, and, you know, I pray the intimacy, our Father, you're my Father, who art in the heavens, in the cosmos. Hallowed be thy name. Radiant is your name. I continue to find myself praying about the radiance of God. And this is because I'm on this journey into his vastness, into the mystery of Christ. And that's why, without a doubt, after 43 years of walking with him, after pastoring and teaching for nearly 40 years of that, I am in a season 
where the wonder and the awe and the astonishment just keeps growing. And even that is all grace. Without these awe, wonder, astonishment, I don't think there's real progress, true progress into him. I don't think there is. Because the whole nature of the relationship is his essence. It's who he is. It goes deep. It's not, I spend more time with this person. I'm doing more jobs together with this person. Those are all truth. But it's when I find a place of deepness where I connect with their heart. When I know them. And that's what this mystery is all about. The journey of discovering God has always led to mystery. And we almost invert that in our teaching. And we say, well, we don't understand what job, but we're going to study and we're going to teach you and we're going to get the principles and there'll be more understanding. But that was never the way. Abraham, he enters the scene, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, right? And uh, he says to Abraham, Abram at that point, he says, I want you to leave your country. Get out of there. I want you to leave from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I was thinking a lot last week about um, Abraham in the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, right? In Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. Abraham amazes me, but think of it in terms of the journey of mystery, okay? He leaves what he knows, the family he knows, the town he knows, where he's got business, where he's got relationships. And in, in Hebrews 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's huge. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. We don't like being in foreign places. We don't like not knowing the rules. We don't like being confronted with our vulnerability. But he went to a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So the journey that begins, it starts, the very nature of it is mystery. Abram, leave everything you know. Leave everything you know. Then there's Moses. Moses has three primary visions of God that rock his world. The first one we know is in Exodus 3 and 4, the burning bush, right? And take your sandals off, and who shall I say? You tell them I am. It was Christ. It was Jesus. And that's very clear from all kinds of things, including, uh, I think it's the end of uh, John, John 8. But anyway... Here's the interesting thing. He's got three visions. I want you to notice something. The first one, because I'm talking about this journey into mystery. The first one was a burning bush. It was light. He sees this light, this burning deal, and whoa. The second one was the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. What is that? 
there's both light and darkness. And the third one is remember in Exodus 20 um, when he's on Mount Sinai. Remember the whole thing with the Ten Commandments and everything? Exodus 20, 21. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Isn't that interesting? His progression was from light to darkness. And yet he was discovering more and more the mystery of God. Okay. This is the same for all who leave the familiar and embark on a spiritual pilgrimage. There are not that many spiritual pilgrims, folks. Because it's filled with uncertainty and it's filled with the unfamiliar and it takes us into dark places. John of the Cross wrote Dark Night of the Soul. It takes us into places where he strips us from everything we are sure about and in the mystery is where we find him, in a deep place. Today's episode is brought to you by our upcoming Journey of Compassion to India. You're probably going to hear us talk a lot about this trip in the coming weeks because it's so exciting. There's a lot that I could tell you about this journey, but I think I'd like to start by telling you a short story from last year and how a single day of that journey has given us and our partners an unprecedented opportunity. Last February, I was in northern India with a team of about 30 people from around the world. Our team was invited to conduct one of our mobile medical clinics inside a Sikh temple. During the day, we saw hundreds of people healed and saved. As I walked the narrow pathways that wound their way through the small village, we healed the sick in Jesus' name and were invited into homes to share the good news of Jesus. I saw a house church born right in front of my eyes as the Holy Spirit fell on an entire household. I felt like I was witnessing something from the book of Acts. As our host told us, the biggest miracle of the day actually happened right at the beginning when the Sikh priest invited us to pray a blessing over the day in the name of Jesus. Since then, that priest has been telling all of his other Sikh priest friends about their amazing day with Impact Nations when they saw Jesus healing the sick. Now there are several other priests who have asked us to come and conduct a medical clinic in their Sikh temple. For the first time ever, we may be conducting medical clinics in up to six different Sikh temples. Talk about the light running into the darkness. So please don't miss this one. I'm going to be there and I'd really like to see you there too. I promise it will change the way you understand the kingdom of God. To register, just visit impactnations.com slash India. The dates are March 8th to the 20th, and right now there's a $100 discount on your ground costs, so register today. And now, back to the podcast. On this pilgrimage, we are confronted with our idols. I am deeply confronted with my idols. By that I mean making God in my own preferred predictable image. This is what he's like. I am so much of the time right now. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to share it because it's still too close. It's too personal. But he said something to me two weeks ago that has rocked my world and scared me about what he's calling me into in the next thing. I don't mean he's calling me to Timbuktu. It's in the, the journey into the mystery of Christ. And that's what it's about. So if we're going to pursue mystery, we're going to move from the 
familiar to the unfamiliar, from where we understand where there's light to darkness. Therefore, pursuing the mystery of Christ is about repentance in the biblical term. Repentance does not mean crying at the altar. It means a change of the way we think about things. Metanoia is the word. So because of this, if we're really going to pursue the mystery of Christ, there's going to be a lot of metanoia, a lot of repentance in the biblical sense. We're often afraid to leave the certainties in order to follow him in his true and mysterious self. Mystery, guys, you can take this to the bank. Mystery confronts the boundaries of our doctrine and our faith. Remember uh, C.S. Lewis in the Narnia? Aslan is not a tame lion. Mm -hmm. We'd like a tame lion. As I get older, I experience more and more repentance, more and more metanoia. I really do. So let's talk just for a little bit about faith and then we'll move on. But faith is not, I got faith to do it this way. I know how to do this. I know he's going to show up. Those are not bad things, but that's not what faith is really about. Faith is not shutting ourselves from the unknown or the unfamiliar. Faith is, is advancing to meet the unfamiliar. It's going right into the midst of it. Very counterintuitive, at least for me, I think for all of us. True faith is built upon confidence and assurance that Christ is there. It's not built on principles, I promise you. The principles will crumble. The reality of Christ, going deep into Christ, will never crumble. Although, that doesn't mean there won't be times of darkness. So true faith is built upon confidence that Christ is there. And if that's the case, then therefore our entry into the mystery of Christ is through personal love. I don't think there's any other way in. It's just loving him and receiving his love as he takes us on that journey. Pursuing the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is not about exterior evidence. It's about the secret call that's in us. We, we shut down that an awful lot, or we put substitutes. But the secret call, I believe it's a marker I think that secret call tells me that my longing for something more, for something more eternal, something that touches the infinite, I think that longing is what assures me that Christ is calling me deeper into uncharted territory with him, into the mystery of Christ. There's that longing. My journey into mystery is changing the way I perceive the world around me. It's changing it slower than I wish it would, but it's changing. I see more beauty than I've ever seen before. 
in the midst of the chaos, I see beauty. You know, I, I teared up. I had a little cry tonight watching the news because an 18-year-old kid threw himself in front of a, a, a shooter at a school again yesterday it happened. And he lost his life and he knew he'd lose his life. But he did it to save everybody else. That was terrible. But there's something beautiful in the midst of how terrible it is. I see more beauty and my gospel is becoming progressively more beautiful, but more flexible. <laughs> but it is becoming more beautiful, I know it is. I also, on this journey, I can more easily see Christ in others, even those with whom I may disagree. I, I can, I always knew I wanted to, but as I've entered into this journey of mystery, something just starts to rise up in me that I can see Christ in people. By the way, not because they pray to sinner's prayer and they go to church. All people. There was a wonderful, wonderful theologian philosopher in the Middle Ages, John Scotus. And he said this. I really like his stuff. But he said this. Every visible or invisible creature is a theophany or appearance of God. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. Every visible or invisible creature is a theophany or appearance of God. A theophany is just a, a theological term when, when God shows up. You know, he suddenly, Genesis 18, he's there. Okay. So, everybody tracking with me so far? Anybody getting their whistle wet a little bit? So, I thought I'd just like to give you a few mystery passages um, before we wrap this first session up. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. You might want to write that down. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. <coughs> Paul, by the way, Colossians and Ephesians, in Paul's writing, uh, most embrace the mystery of Christ. There, you'll see it in 1 Thessalonians and in Timothy and you know, places, you know, Romans. But Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 and Colossians are just saturated in the mystery of Christ. So Ephesians 1, 9, and 10, Paul said this. He has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. <sighs> a couple of points, and then we'll move on. I don't want to get too bogged down tonight, although I, I love this stuff. Okay, so right away, as Paul talks about the mystery, he says the mystery of God is set forth in only one place, in Christ. Christ is the mystery, he says elsewhere. So the mystery centers on Christ, Colossians 2.2. 2. Helps us see a little bit of that. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself. Isn't that a great verse? Colossians 2.2. 2. The mystery is Christ. If you want to 
really encounter Christ, you are encountering mystery, not principles. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. The mystery centers on Christ. Again, from this passage, it centers on the incarnation. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about that. And I think the incarnation is one of the pinnacle points of the mystery of Christ. Um, and the mystery of Christ centers on the cross. If you want to write down 1 Corinthians 2.8. And the culmination of all things is the mystery of Christ. That's that second half of the passage I just read to Ephesians 1.10. That he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. We'll look more at that in Colossians another day. But let me give you a, a Colossian passage right now, having said that. If you're taking notes, this is a powerful passage. Colossians chapter 1, 26 and 27. And I know I'm kind of throwing scripture at you and those of you at home. But to write these down. And begin to pray through them, meditate through them in an unhurried way. Lord, what do you say? So Colossians 1, 26 and 27, he says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the classic verse on, on Christ is in you, by the way. Colossians 1.27. This is the mystery hidden from the ages, now revealed in and through Christ. Here's where I think he's going with this. Paul sees the coming together of the Jews and the Gentiles, and he talks a lot about that, right? Even in, in, uh, um, in Romans 9.10.11 about the grafting together. Um, he sees the coming together of the Jews and Gentiles into one body as a foretaste, as a picture, as a down payment of the reconciliation of all things in the cosmos. Through Christ, Christ is the mystery and it is about the ultimate and perfect unity in the universe. We can hardly imagine that. But ultimately, God's purpose is perfect harmony, perfect unity in the universe, and it is all accomplished by the will of the Father through the action of the Son on the cross. So much more, but including that he, he went to the cross to defeat sin and death, to forgive our sins, etc. But it is, the mystery is so much more than that. It includes that. Christ has brought together the infinite and the finite, the creator and creation, the visible and the invisible. No wonder Paul called this unsearchable riches. One last one, and we're on a home stretch. 1 Timothy 3.16. 1 Timothy 3.16. Paul said this. Without any doubt, the mystery of our religion is great. And then he defines it briefly. With this mystery. What is this mystery? He was revealed in the flesh. He was vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among Gentiles. He was believed in throughout the world. 
and he was taken up in glory. So just, we won't take time to go through that, but you, you meditate on that. Okay, let me wrap it up. In John 3, uh, and, and some of you, most of you guys were here for 33 weeks of John. <laughs> he kept coming back. But uh, he has a late night encounter with Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, who it seems to me he was in the process of becoming uncomfortable with his own certainties. Mm-hmm. The stuff he was sure about was starting to, the foundation was shaking. And Jesus is telling him things of the eternal realm, and he's not getting it. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, if I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Mm -hmm. It's mystery. The New Testament writers are constantly calling the church and us up to expand our way of thinking. I love, uh, I, I quoted that to my friend Justin today who was visiting here from Connecticut, uh, John 4.35, lift up your eyes and see. It's, he's calling us all the time to, to lift up our perception. One of my favorite is uh, Hebrews 12, 22-24, you know, where he, he calls the church, come on, don't you know? You're called to Mount Zion. You're called to the heavenly Jerusalem. You're called to the church of the firstborn. You're called to myriads upon myriads of angels. Mystery. Mystery. It's so much bigger. So, this is why John's gospel, John begins his gospel with a declaration that immediately challenges us to embrace an infinitely, mysteriously great revelation. We'll talk more about it another night. And certainly, if any of you are interested, you can look back on the other podcasts. We talked a lot about the first 18 verses of John 1. But his opening verse, right? Most of us know it. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The writer to the Hebrews begins his letter with mystery. With mystery, a proclamation of mystery. God has appointed his son heir of all things and made the universe through him. Do you see how much bigger that is to an early church that understood he went to the cross and they're forgiven? And now he's saying, yeah, it is so much more than that. The sun is the radiance. There's that word again that I love praying about the radiance. Hallowed be thy name, radiant be thy name. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Hebrews 1, 2 and 3. Paul begins his powerful hymn in Colossians with these words. Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on the earth. If that isn't about mystery, I don't know what is. There's a consistent message here. Christ is not with God. He is God. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact expression. He is the visible image of the transcendent, invisible God. 
Um, and this isn't just a theological principle. This is the truth at the core of all creation. This mystery of Christ is what gives ultimate meaning to all of life, not just my life and your life, all of creation. It is the mystery of Christ that is the only thing that gives meaning to it. And at the heart of this mystery uh, is the incarnation in which God became one of us in order to bring us to participate with him in this great mystery activity, the reconciliation of all the universe. I'm going to skip this a little bit because I don't want us to bog down. I'm basically trying to wet your whistle to something that needs to be talked about, needs to be presented, that the historical church absolutely was centered on mystery. You know, it's interesting. Did you know that the, uh, the, in the Eastern Church, the sacraments are called the mysteries? Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And later, we're going to talk a little bit about the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. The mystery of Christ is at the heart of a beautiful, big gospel. It's got to be a bigger gospel than, have you asked Jesus to be your personal Savior? <laughs> <laughs> It is a big gospel. It is a gospel that will be unfolding forever with infinite expressions of the love of the triune God. So, just to wrap it up, here's some stuff where we're going to go over the next few weeks. I want to talk about the eternal Christ. Christ outside of, beyond, before time and space. I want to talk about the pre-incarnate Christ. Christ in the Old Testament. Um, I want to talk about the Incarnation, because so much hinges on that. I want to talk about the Crucifixion. And when I talk about the Crucifixion, I must talk about the Eucharist, about the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. Because we must see how those are linked and their mysteries. I want to talk about something that we don't often hear about, the, the second day. He descended into hell or Hades. What went on there? We were talking yesterday, Justin and I, I, I kind of sent him to 1 Peter 3, 18 to 22 and 1 Peter 4, 6. We're going to talk about that in terms of mystery. How big is this gospel? How big is this Christ? We're going to talk about the resurrection and we're going to talk about the Trinity, which I've told you before, the church fathers referred to as the divine dance. While we pursue this journey together, I'm praying that the Lord will grant us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He is the mystery. Amen. Amen. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Impact Nations podcast. I hope this teaching has taken you deeper in your experience with Christ. Please don't forget to check our India Journey of Compassion at impactnations.com slash India. Thanks and have a great week.